Okay, uh, I forgot to do this last night. Happy New Year, <laughs> 2020. Sometimes I just get up here and start going. You know, God did some incredible things last night. So for those of you who didn't come and were supposed to, um, <laughs> joking, but not really. <laughs> you know, there's, there's forgiveness, but you never get that moment back. That's why you don't want to miss any moments in God. Uh, uh, I got this testimony, and uh, somebody sent this to me right before service. And uh, they said, I'd been fighting depression for the last couple of years and some discouraging things over the past week. On the way to the meeting, I told God that in prayer that I wanted my joy back. That moment of holy laughter was a key that I needed to break off the depression that was creeping in. Yeah. I've learned it's not necessarily what's happening on the outside, but what God is doing. I remember years ago, uh, there was a, a lady just like, it didn't look pretty on the outside. But at the end of the meeting, I, I was, I'm a person of questions. I want to know what's going on. And she said, well, I, had, you know, I got raped years ago, and the Lord was just delivering me and freeing me from all that. But on the outside, you would have looked at her like, woman's crazy. But I've noticed that God doesn't ask you what you think about what he'd like to do in somebody. And the real fruit is when you get up. So, so someone else came before tonight. They were telling me that they received the ability to, you know, uh, Forgive somebody at their work. You know, it's like there's like these empowering times that come that give us the grace to do what we know we're supposed to do sometimes. Moments in God. So that's why it's like, um, it's really true that God can touch you anywhere you're at. That's absolutely true. But sometimes when you're in a meeting or something, you know, you say, why don't you come to the front? God is up here healing backs. And people just stand back there who have back pain. And they don't know, they wonder why they didn't get healed. And God was up here healing. They said, well, he, I, I can touch me right here if he wants to. Yeah, he can, but he said, come up front. <laughs> he can't deliver you, it's stupid. <laughs> he can only show you the way. So happy new year. Uh, also, I want to thank, I, I, I've noticed that some people have come from quite a ways away, and so I want to thank you for making the effort to come. If you are from out of state, why don't you stand up? If you're from out of state, you've come from out of state, stand up. Look at all these people. New York, Connecticut, Ohio, California. Yeah, and some of you thought you, you sacrificed by coming five minutes down the road at nine o'clock. <laughs> I've, I've learned when you love something, it's not a sacrifice. And, we, and when we love God, his commandments are not burdensome. That's what John said. Why don't we lift our hands? Tonight, I believe, uh, the Lord wanted me to uh, we'll start tonight teaching, and then I'm going to share, I think, to, to just open up back into something prophetically the Lord showed me for this year. And then I believe we'll, we'll end the night by... Laying hands on everything that moves. Dogs. We'll send the cats back to hell. 
We will, Lord. I know there's no cats in heaven, Lord. I know it's absolutely true. Lord, and I forgive all the people offended at me right now. It's okay, Lord. I... Father, tonight we just, we thank you for your word. Your word is eternal. Your word is always right, and the Holy Spirit's always right. And Lord, you said you would guide us into all truth. So guide us and, and lead us into all truth tonight. Spirit of wisdom and revelation, open up your word to us. Let it be like those two disciples who walk with you on the road to Emmaus, that as they walk with you, their hearts burned because you revealed yourself. Thank you that there's a revelation of Jesus Christ tonight, the beautiful son of God, the holy one, the king, the king, the king. Thank you that we rule and reign with him. We ask again for words from heaven, words from heaven on this night that we enter into a new decade. And Lord, we thank you. I just see these beautiful jewels that God has preordained for the next decade for the people of God. Jewels, wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, spirit of knowledge and spirit of fear of the Lord, all sevenfold functions of the spirit of God. Thank you for uh, healing happening in this room. Thank you for deliverance happening in this room. Lord, thank you that tonight is a night of eviction for ungodly things. Fill me with your spirit. Put your words in my mouth, and I ask that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Tonight, I want to talk to you about one of my favorite subjects, and that's the kingdom of God. If you've been around a while, you'll know that I'm probably going to say uh, certain things again, uh, but I've learned uh, you have to say things over and over again sometimes. And uh, Oral Roberts said if something wasn't worth preaching seven times, it wasn't worth preaching once. And um, I have a friend, he, he told, actually he called me today, he said, I don't think I've ever been around you when you don't start in the book of Genesis. And uh, part of it is this, is because the way I approach scripture is that um, two things. God is a God of intentionality. God is a God of patterns. And, that God, and God is a God of seasons. Malachi 3, verse 6, said God doesn't change. God doesn't change. I've never talked to God about any situation or anything in my life where he said, where the Father will tell me, yeah, I'm really dealing with the Holy Spirit. I, I'm, I'm, he needs to change that one. It's always me that has to change. God never adjusts for us. The problem is we've tried to adjust scripture to fit our experience. So Genesis chapter 1, to define the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is simply the rule and the reign of God. The rule and the reign of God. Genesis chapter 1, God's, I always call this God's original intention. God does not change his intention in the way he relates to people beyond what he's written in the book of Genesis. This is how he relates to people. And we could go a lot of different ways, but we'll start in Genesis 1.26, and I believe there'll be some foundational things that'll be important for us as we enter the new year. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them, let them, very, very important verse right there, let them, because he is giving man stewardship and ownership of the earth that he created. 
And it, 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 is, it is fundamentally important to understand that principle, and you'll see it played out again. He'll reiterate it in Genesis 2, but he says, let them. Notice he doesn't say, let us. So now God is establishing a principle on how he's going to relate to man, that if his purposes, and how many know that God had a purpose for the earth when he created it? He is very, very specific and very, very intentional of his desires and what he desires out of the earth. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and then he re-emphasizes over all the cattle, and then he re-emphasizes his point, over all the earth, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, to it shall, it, it shall be for food. Here's the first principle that I believe it's important for us tonight that God wants to emphasize. God's desire was never to establish a religion. It was always to establish a kingdom. God desired, and we emphasized that just a moment ago, humanity to be his ambassadors of his kingdom. Man was created to find his deepest needs inside of God and in the realm of the kingdom of God. And though he's given this powerful thing called choice to choose to serve God or not, he is actually not created in any way to be independent of God. God had everything every person would ever need before they came onto the earth. That is what you call a really good father. Everything taken care of. God, as creator of man, had all the resources humanity would ever need. All of humanity, this is really important, all of humanity is born with an internal reality that can only be found in the kingdom of God. Humanity's greatest desire is the kingdom of God. That's why we have so many, obviously since the fall, there are competing philosophies, ideas, uh, humanism, socialism, everything, communism, everything you can think of are all man's way of trying, to, of trying to create something that can only be found in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God was created to function by revelation knowledge. The first voice Adam hears is the voice of God, and that voice says to him, you are blessed and you are empowered to rule the earth under my resources. Two, two, play, two different ways uh, humanity receives information. Revelation knowledge, which is uh, uh, the voice of God that gives Adam understanding of what he's created to do. Man cannot understand what they are created to do or their purpose without hearing the voice of God. Sensory knowledge is also how, how God created Adam. Uh, sight, hearing, touch, smell, taste, all given by God. And obviously, and, and here's the other thing. Adam was created perfect. Adam needed no upgraded, no, no Adam 2.0 needed. No new update ever needed for Adam. The other thing about Adam is, and Eve, the moment they were created, they were created absolutely accepted by God in the earth. 
So Adam hears the voice of God, and that voice tells him his purpose in the earth, and it's supposed, and his trust in that voice. Adam's trust in God, his belief system, because God had created him to steward the earth, is what defines what takes place in the earth. I've never heard it so quiet after that point. Part of the reason as you enter into a new year, your world will not change unless your belief system changes. Here's another important thing. Man is given dominion. He's given stewardship over all the earth, and he's created to take care of the earth, and so his belief system about God and what God has said about him is what defines the earth, and so the kingdom of God is an inside-out kingdom that functions from the inside of man, defining what happens in the earth on the outside. Look at... uh, 2, verse 4 and 6 now. This is one of the most fascinating thousand scriptures that is really, really interesting to me. Make one more point too. The kingdom of God, God intended to establish a kingdom, and his kingdom was supposed to rule the earth. I believe in that garden, it's perfect, and then he is... He gives man dominion. And one of the things, the the reason I believe this is because he tells him to subdue. I believe that garden was perfect. It was everything that God intended. And then God gives him dominion to to extend the kingdom of God outside the earth and put everything into order just like it was in the garden. And he wanted heaven To look like the earth. We read, I won't read it tonight, but in one part it says there was onyx and there was gold in those rivers. Where else is there gold? There's gold in heaven. Psalm 11 says God's throne is in heaven. So what's God desiring? He's desiring man made in his image. Again, God is consumed with life. Everything that God does is life. There's no evil on the earth. There's no bad things on the earth. There's no sickness on the earth. It's all good. That was just the beginning. Think about that. The high point for humanity on the earth was just God's beginning. You should have said amen to that. That's how God thinks. Sets up his throne in heaven, makes man his representative, and man is supposed to extend heaven on earth. That's really important because what we are desiring the earth is way beyond just some miracles. It's way beyond just some really good beings. It's way beyond just getting people saved. It's It's the invasion of heaven to earth. verse 4, this is the history of heavens and the earth when they were created. In that day, the Lord made the earth and the heavens. Obviously, he's kind of uh, uh, reviewing here. Before any plant of the field was in the earth, before any herb of the field had grown, for the Lord had, the, the Lord had not caused it to rain on the earth 
Why had it not caused it to rain? Tim, why was there no rain? Because there was not a man to till the ground. There was not a man to till the ground. So he reemphasizes this point that the reason, part of the purpose he puts man on the earth is to take care of the earth. Man has been created to take care of the earth. So the revelation knowledge he wanted to give him had to do with the earth looking like heaven. It's also really important because as, you sh- as we shift into a new season, here's a good discipleship question. Are you stewarding properly the things in your life? This is what is called stewardship. It's a really, really big part of walking with the Lord. I believe it's one of the reasons God instituted the tithe because he wants to know Will you be disciplined enough to take care of his stuff? Can you be trusted with his stuff that he puts in your hands? Verse 15. Got quiet with that one. Got to remember... I mean, you could choose to do whatever you want. God still loves you. But that tithe is the Lord's. You better remember that. It is the Lord's. It is not yours to choose to do what to do with it. So you are touching God's stuff. When you choose, oh, I'm going to do this. Nobody asked you. You're touching what is sacred and holy to the Lord. Verse 15, and the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden and tend and keep it. And the Lord commanded man saying, of the tree of the garden, you may freely eat. That word tend there too is is almost he puts man to rest in the garden. So man from day one is working from a place of rest. That's why in the New Testament, Jesus says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Doesn't mean inactivity. Boy, Lord, we need some people working in America today. Please work. But it's not work like you think to earn a keep. It's working from the place of acceptance and rest in the heart of God. Verse 19, skip on there. Out of the ground the Lord formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to see, to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. Now, back up for a moment. I think it's important here. How does Adam know how to name those animals? He did not go to NC State. He definitely did not go to Carolina. If he was going to go anywhere, he's probably going to go to Campbell. <laughs> right, Walter? <laughs> he definitely went to Campbell. <laughs> What's happening? He's trusting what God has said about him. You are the steward of the earth. You are the caretaker of the earth. And as he's trusting that, he, God brings him, the, it's a picture. I would say this is a picture of how life functions in the kingdom. 
God is the source of all things. He's the one who brings Adam those animals, so he is the source. You're never the source. Americans, you are not the source. He brings those animals, but God does not do for Adam what he's asked him to do. Adam sees those animals supernaturally, and we know when you name something, you actually prophesy part of its characteristics. So what's supposed to govern the world? Words were supposed to create realities. So those ant- how is the world created? God spoke. Those animals don't know the difference between God or Adam. They just know that's the word of God coming out, and I must obey what it's saying. And what qualified him? His trust and faith in God telling him to have dominion in the earth. So here's a question to ask yourself as you enter in the new year. Are the things you're doing and are the behavior you're doing, are they birthed from God or outside pressure that has convinced you you have to do something repeatedly or has God told you to do it? I know it's not your normal New Year's message, but... But I've learned you don't get a new you unless you change your thinking. So Genesis 3. Verse 2. And the woman said to the serpent... We may eat of the fruit of the trees, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows in that day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and was pleasant to the eyes, a tree desirable to make one wise, he took of its fruit and ate it. I want to look at those verses because number one, you'll see there is always, even in a perfect world, there was a competing voice that tried to challenge the purpose of God. You'll notice in Matthew, the 13th chapter, that the sower sows the word. That's, that's obviously God is always speaking. And when he's speaking, there is always a challenge to that word, even if it produces what God intends it to produce. I mean, you, not me. You're like, you know, you're in a meeting or something, God really speaks to you. Yes, that's the Lord. I know the Lord's going to do that. <laughs> and as soon as you get in the car, a relative calls you. <laughs> or a voice comes. You're out of your mind. You know, that's not, you know, is, was that really the Lord? And you know it was the Lord. What's he doing? He's trying to challenge the power of what that word will do in your life. You also notice, too, she was dialoguing an entity that she had dominion over. Do not dialogue with voices that you have dominion over. But even though she's created perfect and has dominion over it, she still listens to the wrong voice. Do you know what helps the ability to discern between right voices? That word right there. Netflix doesn't help it. 
Carolina basketball doesn't help it. The only way you fine-tune your inside is you get word, 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 and then more word. You'll pick it up real quick what's, what's right and wrong. And I want you to notice there's a reason I read that verse is because you watch most underlying philosophies in the world today, they're built on that same lie. What is, what is, what is the, the serpent, obviously the devil, tell, t- t- tell her? Oh, you know, don't worry about it. In that day, God knows that you, if you eat of it, you'll know both good and evil. What's he basically trying to tell her? He is trying to convince her to do the very thing that he did. Be your own God. You can choose what's right and wrong. I know God told you not to eat from that tree. You let that thing grow. But why don't you be God? You can choose. Some of you are having trouble connecting it. Let me help you. You do you, honey. Whatever you, you know, just as long as, you know, if you're doing something, just as long as you feel okay with it and you're not hurting anyone, you're a God unto yourself. You are, you are deciding what is good and evil. This, and the foolishness of it, the full extension of this comes with now people who are born a woman say they're a man. They're doing them. They're trying to redefine reality, and it's gone to the point of insanity. Now, you love people, but I love them enough to tell them they need deliverance. But underlying that, you'll still see it all across the world. Well, if you're not hurting anyone, what's that? at the root of that is you get to decide what's right and wrong. You're the God of your own world. You also notice, too, that sensory knowledge overrode revelation knowledge and it caused destruction. Her belief in the voice of God and the word of God was to override anything that serpent said. Her belief in God's word was supposed to dominate what happened in that situation. So now what what happens? We know, choose the wrong voice. The most predominant voice in your life is defining how you're living. The most predominant voice in your life is defining how you're living. It can even be a good voice. What happens though? Listening to the wrong voice, agreeing with the wrong voice, corrupts their body, and because they've been placed in charge, it now corrupts the earth. So their belief system, their denial of the word of God, because they've been put in charge, now corrupts their body and corrupts the earth. Your world is being corrupted by wrong beliefs. Old Testament, he continues this concept, though, of 
God continues his original intent of trying to redeem the earth through a covenant. Notice, finds Abram, later calls him Abraham. Why did he change his name? Because he was changing his destiny. I like that. It's an Old Testament picture of salvation. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Your destiny is now changed. And what was his purpose in the nation of Israel? His purpose in the nation of Israel, what does he do? He gives them a covenant. He tells them he wants to bless them. And what does he do? He wants, to, wants them to have dominion. And he wants every area of their society to look like God. As an invitation to the rest of the world. It's kind of funny though, if you read scripture, God's got scripture about what to do if you pooped out in the middle of the wilderness. God is incredibly practical. The kingdom of God is incredibly practical. Why? Because he's like, he doesn't want disease out there. What's another thing he does? He brings them out into the wilderness. Listen to me, Linda. God does not bring you in the wilderness to destroy you. He brings you, he allows you to go through wilderness to teach you that he is your source. He didn't abandon them out there. He's trying to teach them, anywhere you go, this covenant's going to work. Exodus 19, just one verse here, out of the, just to emphasize this. Now, therefore, verse 5, if you will indeed obey my voice, notice that the education is connected to the voice of God and revelation knowledge, and keep my covenant, then you shall be a treasure to me above all people. And let me just pause here. When we're talking about dominion, we're, sometimes, I don't know how to say this, but... Um, Thank you, Lord, for words. Uh, we th often, because that word, dominion, has been so misused by the world system, we think, or sometimes believers think, we're going to take over and get, you know, get back with all those ungodly people. That's not how this works. We're given dominion to be a source of blessing and life to an unbelieving world. Not so you can get even with everyone who's done you wrong. That, that is so anti-God and in the kingdom of God. I, I, I'll be honest. I'm always honest, but I'll be very honest tonight. It's 10 o'clock, a little past 10. This stuff, you know, all those people, when you get where God is taking you, they ain't going to want, you know, you, they ain't, you're going to have time for it. That is so ungodly. You don't find that anywhere in Jesus' ministry. He's got Judas in his ministry. He knows he's going to betray him, you know. Peter's still cussing, you know. <laughs> the three, you know, three and a half years these guys are walking with him, and they all like, except one, they all like, we're out of here, peace. <laughs> and God goes, I'm going to choose you to change the world. The kingdom of God and our purpose in the earth is never used for self-advantage.
And you shall be to me, what? A kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And then we know that it was always supposed to point to the coming Messiah. Jesus has to come as a man because of what God has declared in Genesis 1. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus was the first man since Adam to express God's original intent. Everything you see in Jesus, God intended for Adam. Jesus was born of a perfect seed. Adam was born of a perfect creation. Adam had a free will. Jesus had a free will. Don't ever think that Jesus, the, the devil took Jesus' life. He said, I give up my life willingly. Come on. So he could have chose evil. I mean, this is the brilliant, like, I just fall in love with Jesus every time I think about this because I would have been like out of there. Any point on his earthly ministry, he could have said, peace. Tells Pilate, no one takes my life from me, but I give it up willingly. Don't you know who I am? Boy, you wouldn't even have that position unless I allowed it. The humility of Jesus. And then he, he would say things like this. He, he tells us he's got a free choice, but he goes, I, only, I can only do... Wait, 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 wait. You just told us a minute ago. Like, you listen to Jesus and you're like, oh, Lord Jesus. Like, you're like really simple, but you're really complicated. You're like some women I know. <laughs> Not you, the person next to you. <laughs> I can only do what I see my father doing in heaven. What's he teaching us? He's teaching us about this inside-out kingdom. He's teaching us that the mind of life in the kingdom is I only do what I see my father doing in heaven. And then Paul gives this apostolic command, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Jesus was educated. It says, John 8, he learned things from his father. Adam was created to be educated by the voice of God. He was created to move. He was created to represent the kingdom of God. And then Paul says, one of the greatest thousand verses in scripture, Colossians 1, he is the image of the invisible God. So what's that saying? When you saw Jesus and he was preaching the kingdom, you saw what God looked like. You want to see what God looks like? Look at Jesus. You, you, you want to know what the king, well, you, know, you, want, you know what God was supposed to look like? You could look at Adam before the fall. He is the image of the invisible God. And then there's this apostolic command in Ephesians 5. Be ye imitators of Jesus. Notice he doesn't, he doesn't lower the standard. He goes, well, you know, you're American. You know, you have a lot of prosperity. And it's, you know, you've got lights now in your church, and it's really nice. He just says, be imitators of Jesus. That's the standard. That's what every person in this room will be judged for. 
You'll not be judged if they clapped for you on Appreciation Sunday. You'll not be judged by how much you gave. You'll, not be, you'll be judged. Did you look like him? Jesus was completely governed by the word of God. Here's the difference between Jesus and Adam. For the first time in human history, God lived in a man in Jesus Christ. And the word became flesh. The focus of Jesus' preaching and teaching and demonstration was the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God was God's original and unchanging intent. It was the focus of Jesus' ministry. The four gospels contain a hundred direct references to the kingdom of God. It's amazing to me that this is what's in the Bible, but you can go to Bible college and never even have one course on the kingdom of God. John the Baptist, what did he preach? The kingdom of God. The early church preached the kingdom of God. When Jesus died and resurrected, before he ascended on high, he taught them things concerning the kingdom of God. And here was Jesus' primary focus. He began to re-emphasize this idea of inside-out kingdom. Don't worry what's on the outside, because if your belief in God is correct, all that stuff is going to change. That's why he says you're going to get to speak to that mountain. What did he say? What's the first thing he preached? Repent. Change your thinking. You can't see somebody's thinking. You can only see the result of their thinking. Unless you get it prophetically, you're like, oh, what are they thinking? (laughs) For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He emphasized this over and over again. Jesus said to the woman, did I not say to you, if you would believe, right? If you would believe, if your belief, belief, uh, just a, a help for you as you read the gospels, belief and faith are interchangeable concepts there. If you would have faith, you what? You would see the glory of God. So what's the key to seeing the glory of God? Believing correctly. He continues on, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I will do, he will do also. He who believes correctly will act correctly. The works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Mark 16, these signs will follow them that believe. Those who went to the prayer line with the evangelists. Not saying any of that says wrong, just, just not how he taught it. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. So he's saying one of the characteristics of your believing system, of, your, of the results, one of the characteristics of the supernatural life is that your belief system is correct. It's amazing to me. Now, in a lot of places that they tell people, you know, 20 minutes, that's all people can take these days. But they sit there for two hours watching a movie. (laughs) No, 
I want to suggest to you they can handle something if they're taught to. I don't think it has to be long, but sometimes God takes a while to develop some things. They will take up serpents. They will drink anything deadly. By no means it will hurt. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I'll finish with this and then just share prophetically a few things. How does the kingdom of God function? Understanding of the kingdom of God is not granted to the casual seeker. Say that again. Understanding of the kingdom of God is not granted to the casual seeker. Why? Because the kingdom of God also functions on holiness and integrity, which is the character of God. What is integrity? God, in God's integrity, he does not give things to people they are not interested in. There are things he's been longing to say before the very foundation of the world that would actually change your life, change your whole family's life. Some of you are supposed to inherit million-dollar ideas, but because you've gone after the, the, the American dream, you're working for the man. You are a slave to the world system. And when you realize your real purpose, no one can ever fire you. Well, you know, I got to do what I got to do. That's right. You're doing what you got to do. And you left God out of the equation. You know, we got a lot of bills. I know. Ten years ago, God tried to help you with your financial issues, but you wouldn't listen. He's really kind. He'll help you. But he can't change your belief system. Here's what Jesus said. And notice when he spoke about the parables, he was speaking about characteristics of the kingdom of God. Again, the kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and gives his tithe. No, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. He gave everything because he goes, I've never found anything like this. Some of you get nervous if God tells you to give $500. That's not right. And the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Teaching us about the kingdom. He's teaching us. You, you can't treat these things casual. It's got, it's got to be everything. And here's the thing. Here is why this is so important. Because if you can't see the kingdom of God, you really can't see God. And you're not really perceiving your world correctly. You're perceiving it through a distorted lens. And when we perceive things through distorted lens, we misrepresent who we're supposed to represent. I've been, I've been digging into this one. Saul. God changes his name. I like that. 
God's going, ah, that life's over. On his way. That's, that is how nasty a religious spirit is. We've tolerated that thing way too long in America. It destroys people. But in the name of a religious spirit, he's going to kill believers. He thinks he's helping God. I've met those leaders. But um, And he's on his way. And the Holy Spirit knocks him down because the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. And Jesus starts speaking to him. He says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's really interesting. Jesus is not in the earth. But he says, why are you persecuting me? Obviously, we know the practical, one of the practical applications of that one is, if you persecute one of God's kids, it's like you're persecuting him. The other side of that is, oh, you're supposed to be him in the earth. When somebody looks at your life, at your eyes, your ears, your language, it's supposed to look like Jesus. That's the one that's burdened me. So the kingdom of God is not granted to the casual seeker. When we begin to understand the kingdom of God, we understand the world. One of the reasons that God has placed us in the earth is to answer the questions people are asking. Thank you for the one, yeah. <laughs> Kingdom of God also functions out of a place of relationship. I have found God makes me look brilliant because I talk to him. It's interesting. I was thinking about this during worship. The Apostle John, the one whom Jesus loved, he's the one who on this, this is this hilarious, they can never end your ministry. He's old and they put him on an island because he's disturbing things. So he has a revelation, not of the Antichrist, of Jesus Christ. And what is part of the revelation he has of what's happening in heaven. Interesting, right? God reveals the secrets of heaven to his friends in the earth. Some of you got that, some of you didn't, but it's still true. This is what Jesus said. Matthew 13. Matthew 13, 34. All these things, Jesus, and he was explaining the parables. 
to his disciples. All these things Jesus spoke to the multitudes in parables. And without a parable, he did not speak to them. Elsewhere, I'll finish this in a moment, but elsewhere, Jesus says in the Gospel of John, he says, I have many things to tell you, but you cannot bear them now. I believe he had this heart where he wanted to come to the earth, and he had some like, he had some, like real serious things he liked to talk about. And like, oh, they're not going to get this. I'll start with natural things so they can begin to understand the operation of the kingdom. But there is, oh, so much more. And see, sometimes what happens in our dysfunction, we actually cut off the revelation knowledge that God wants to do. And God has these five-fold ministers, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, and they're supposed to be revealing the treasures of heaven. Obviously, it doesn't go beyond the word. But then you got Sister Debbie over there who's mad at Sister Josephine over there because she got disrespected, you know, in the back there because she was cleaning the church. And, and then Eugene in the back, he's been messing around on his wife. And so instead of deep things, we have to hear elementary things Amen. that don't move us beyond. So we have to lower what can be said sometimes. And there's a passionate heart of God who wants to say this. All these things Jesus spoke to the multitudes in parables without a parable he did not speak. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken in the private saying, I will open my mouth in parables, hear this, and I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. See, he's saying, he said, I created the kingdom of God to rule the world. I created my people to be ambassadors of that world. And there's things I'd like to tell them about this world that I've had before the foundation of the world that would revolutionize their life. But they have to have a listening ear. Here's some final thoughts. Did you receive something tonight? We can't understand the kingdom of casual understanding of the kingdom is not given to casual seekers. When we begin to understand the kingdom of God, we understand the world. Kingdom of God functions out of relationship. We've been given the privilege of answering the questions people are supposed to be asking. Here's another kingdom principle. The kingdom of God was supposed to function like a family. Genesis 1, man and woman. Daniel 1, read Daniel 1. That's your homework. Most commentators will tell you they're, they're no more than 12 and 13 years old. And they've been brought into literally a Babylonian system. Here's the other part about this, really, really important. The world is trying to train you how to think. And the only deliverance from this world system is putting God first. 
There's no other way. You, you cannot escape its influence unless you've made that a settled issue. You cannot afford to fit God in. You must make him your foundation. Because that which is not birthed from heaven will not last in this next season. And what do they do? They go, we want to train you. Somebody wants to train your kids. What do they say? We're not going to eat that stuff. How did they know what to do? Their parents still knew the covenant. Even though they were in Babylon, they didn't just show up knowing what to do. They were trained correctly. We will not. What's happening? Their value system is defining the world that they're in. They're refusing to bow. You don't influence the world by compromising biblical values in your life. Well, you know, this is what you got to do to, you know, kind of make it in this, 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 you know, my profession. You know, everybody kind of does it. One of the greatest examples I ever saw, my dad's in real estate, very successful. Top seller for Century 21 at one time. Who has his own office today. When he began to do real estate full time, he said, I will not work on Sundays. I'm not saying it's wrong to work on Sundays. I'm just saying this is a choice he made for our family. They said, you'll never make it in real estate. He was a top seller. I think I can count on my finger how many times he ever showed a house on a Sunday. Very few times, and never on Sunday morning. He said, Sunday belongs to the Lord and my family. God will honor your choices of righteousness. But if your God is money, then you will serve money. What is on the inside of us is what the world will be attracted to. Look at Genesis. Uh, uh, I went a little longer than I thought, but can you give me five more minutes? Actually, it's going to take longer than five. I don't want to lie to you. And uh, I figured you're here this late. And the lady on the front row said 25. So <laughs> look at Genesis 39. And Joseph had been taken down to Egypt a Potiphar and the officer of the Pharaoh, captain of the guard of an Egyptian, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had been taking him down there. And the Lord was with Joseph. That's the word of the Lord for some of you in this season. The Lord is with you. Amen. The Lord is with you. 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 The Lord has not forsaken you. For some of you made really bad mistakes in this past year. The Lord is with you. Some of you, someone, your spouse left you. The Lord is with you. Some of you lost that job you've had for many years. The Lord is with you. Some of you just had a bill come in that you didn't know was going to come in. The Lord is with you. Some of you had a relative, got a terminal diagnosis. The Lord is with you. Always keep a consciousness that he's with you. 
He never leaves you nor forsakes you. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. I'm reading on the New King James. I believe it's NIV that says, and, the Lord, and, and Joseph was a prosperous man. He's owned by another man, yet it says he's prosperous. There is grace in this next season for many of you to identify the root issues of what caused you to think dysfunctionally and not be prosperous in your soul. And he was, he was in the house of the master of the Egyptian, and his master saw. How did he see? It's on the inside. He's defining. Something's different about that young guy. Old Testament. This guy's recognizing. This young guy has something on him that I'm going to put him in charge of stuff. An unbeliever is trusting a young man who's in the covenant. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him an overseer of his house and all that he put under his authority. So it was from that time he made him an overseer of his house and all that he had. Can you be trusted with another man's wealth? Can you be trusted with someone else's wealth? You know how you know that? How you spend your time in your workplace. So it was from that time he made him an overseer of his house and all that he had, and the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. Ah, oh, that's a test of your heart. He's being blessed because of what I did for him. When am I going to get my take? Whatsoever a man sows, so shall he reap. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house of the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Excellent spirit. Diligent. Trustworthy. All things that come from eternal, inside realities. Here's the final one. I'll share a little bit here. This is a picture, I believe, one of the pictures of how the kingdom, of how we're supposed to demonstrate the kingdom of God to the world. Look at Luke chapter 5. This is our last verse here tonight. Thanks for being patient. Thanks for coming tonight. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, and he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out from them, and they were washing their nets. And then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Verse 5, but Simon answered, and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Notice we said tonight that the kingdom of God functions on revelation knowledge. 
And this revelation knowledge is about to benefit Peter here. And Peter also has a problem. You've been put in the world to help answer people's problems. It might not be the answer for cancer, but it might be simply as the Lord showed me that you're struggling. Here's $100 for your groceries. It's a true principle. We don't want to invite people to church. We want to be the church. Peter, I want to suggest to you, is not looking for God. He's not at the he, he's struggling, but he's not at the bottom. Why is that important? Because when we understand fundamental human need and don't try and give them like this religious subculture. When he had done this, he caught a great number of fish and they were, their net was breaking. This is awesome because he puts his net in the very same lake where he caught nothing all night. God's word shifted that environment. God's word will shift your environment. So what did he do? Peter's a fisherman. What was his need? His need was he needed fish. Peter, excuse me, Jesus gives him a word that meets that need. You're supposed to have words that meet people's needs. The worst thing ever is, I'll pray for you. You don't even pray for yourself. <laughs> Remember one time I was trying to get, oh, Lord, Jesus, I just want to get this woman a ride to church. I talked to this pastor. They had all these people on staff. Like, well, I will, we'll have to see what the policy on that. What policy? Just go pick them up. You got 200 people in your church. Professional stupidity, that's what I call that. The woman wants to come to church. Well, we got to see what that says in the manual about that. I'm like, I thought I was talking to the DMV, not a pastor. Notice, Peter sees the effect of the word. Peter, I want to suggest to you, is not trying to figure out why have I come to earth, and he is not interested in the track that tell him he's going to hell that day. He's trying to figure out how I'm going to pay my bills. So what's the point? We want words that bring solution to the pain of humanity so we can get them to the place where they're figuring out what is the reason that I've come to earth. You see it with the prophet uh, Samuel and Saul. What's Saul's problem? He is not thinking about becoming the next king, but he's lost some donkeys. So what does the prophet tell him? Ah, don't worry about the donkeys, but stay here. I'm going to tell you about your life. I'm going to get you to, to, to the question you really should have been asking. 
There's Peter. He's got a little cussing problem. His wife can't stand them right now. But he's one called to walk with you. Now, he's not going to listen to anything you have to say. He's not listening to that track. He don't care about your shofar right now. <laughs> he doesn't care that they call you prophet in the church. He doesn't care about your ordination. He cares nothing about that. He can't, he's worried because he's worked a 10-hour shift and has not caught anything. So, Jesus, the word is, throw your net to the other side. And he's going to realize who you is. And he's going to realize the reason he was born. Now you're going to have to work on him a little while. He's going to deny you. But one day, he's going to die just like you. God sees inside of you what you can't even see inside of yourself. The word of the Lord for some of you is stay the path. Don't deter from the path. About three of you, you want to give up. And the word of the Lord is you, you stay the path. You're like, I really messed up. Welcome to the kingdom of God of really messed up people. Welcome to the place where forgiveness is always your portion. Welcome to the place where you get delivered of every one of your issues. Welcome to the place that as soon as you say, please forgive me, your whole generational line begins to change. Welcome to the place where your past never decides how much you can dream. Welcome to the place where poverty becomes riches in him. Welcome to the place where every debt is taken care of. Because once you come into the kingdom, you become his responsibility. And he says, I got to take care of that one. You're like, but I put myself there. I know, he takes responsibility for all your stupidity. You probably should have never bought that car at 32% interest. But he goes, I'll take responsibility for that. You laugh and I meet it all the time. Depart from me from a sinful man, O Lord. For, when he, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish which they had taken. And also were James, John, the sons of deputy, were partners with Simon. And he said to Simon, do not be afraid. See, now he's got his attention. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, I love this. They didn't say, okay, geez, I can do a small group with you on Monday nights, but we're really busy with the fish. You know, it's a very busy season for us. They forsook all and followed him. Receive this word tonight. If you do, just lift your hands by the authority God has given me. I bless you to be a blessing in the earth. I bless you to be everything that God has called you to be. I declare in this next season that the word of God will be your portion. That as you, with God's help, seek 
first the kingdom of God, that all these things will be added unto you. I declare you're being delivered of all wrong thinking beginning tonight. I see this light from heaven just shining upon the people of here tonight. That roots and generational things that have tried to steal the blessing and the covenant of the Lord and the kingdom of God from your family line, all those roots are being exposed now. Because you said, Holy Spirit, we will know the truth and the truth shall make us free. And you said you would guide us into all truth. So I declare that the truth of the word of God, of the word of God would now go deep on the inside of you and expose every lie of the enemy. And I declare that tonight is a night of eviction. Wrong thinking, wrong thought processes are being exposed and being replaced by the word of God. I bless you to find your deepest needs met in the kingdom of God. I declare that you'll be one who says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You'll be excited at the coming of the Lord. You'll rejoice at the word of the Lord, even if it costs you everything. That your greatest delight will be the kingdom of God. That you will know the ways of the Spirit. And the Lord says in this next coming season, I'm teaching people how to move by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. Walk by faith and not by sight. And the Lord says in this next season, mountains are about to come down for the people of God. Mountains they never even thought they could even speak to. They never even thought, they thought they'd always belong there. But I say that the mountains are falling for the people of God. And the Lord says, this is a season of unique and divine strategies from heaven being released for those who have a listening and attentive ear. I'm releasing great grace to my people to wait on the word of the Lord and listen for the word of the Lord and receive great wisdom for the application of the word of the Lord. This is a season in which my great desire is to release divine words from heaven that would quickly and speedily come to pass as my people lean into me with corresponding wisdom. I'm releasing keys that would unlock the manifestation of prophetic words and mandates given long ago. For indeed, this is a season in which the just shall walk by faith and not by sight as never before. I want to enlarge my people's vision. I see Jesus touching people's ears tonight for an enlarged vision. The Lord says, you have enlarged vision when you see me as I was created to be seen. May you see me high and lifted up in this next season. May you perceive me as greater than you've ever thought. The Lord says, I am bigger than my people have thought. Hebo hosho komo hosho komo yo. There's a door opening in heaven, says the Lord, for my people. A door of divine strategies. A door that as they hear and speak what I'm saying, a roar will come into the earth. Much like came on the day of Pentecost. They were gathered together in one place. And a sound came. The Lord says there's a sound of unity when my people come together. There's a power in agreement. And the Lord says in the coming years, I'm going to teach people about agreement with me, about coming together, about joining their faith together. The Lord says this is the hour for the body to arise. This is the hour for the body to arise. This is the hour for the body to arise. This is a season in which I'm inviting my people to co-labor and dream with me as never before for my purposes and my blueprints for the earth to be established. 
I saw an angel, and he appears to be with words that are inscribed on him. It looked like an ancient angel holding a scroll. And I believe it represented the plans and purposes God's had for the earth. And Lord says, indeed, my thoughts and my plans for the earth are far beyond what the great majority of my people are dreaming of. So my desire is that my people would have an elevated revelation of me. For when they see me properly, I will cause them to think and to dream properly. For when they see me properly, I will cause them to think and dream properly. 2020, the Lord says, is the year to dream again. Dream again. Dream again, says the Lord. Dream again. Make the word of God your highest value. Look in the journals of things spoken years ago. Look to the promise. This is the year of promise fulfilled for those who will stand say and yes to the word of the Lord. And I will speak and I will give you wisdom to implement everything I've told you. My desire for my people across the globe is that there would be a reformation in the manner in which my people think that their minds would be loose to think as I desired them to think, and they would act and manifest that which has never been before manifest. That's my great desire. As my people receive blueprints for earth, I will desire, I desire to finance their vision from the most unusual resources. The Lord says, you can't see it, but I have all the resources in the world. I am the God who will supply. 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 My hand is not too short for my people. My hand is not too short for my people. For buildings, for houses, for community centers, for stadiums. My hand is not too short for my people. My hand is not too short for my people. My hand is not too short for my people. My hand is not too short for my people. This is a season of divine harvest and increase for the body of Christ. Do not back off of what I've spoken to you and how I've commanded you in in every area of sowing seed. Yes, even in this season, I will challenge my people to give as never before. This will be a season in which sowing and reaping will happen at an accelerated pace as never before. For my desires is to place thousands, for some millions, for others even billions of dollars in my children's hands for the purpose of discipling nations. I want my people involved in building projects, community centers, cities, for cities, regions, and nations, hospitals, schools, stadiums. I've desired some of the largest structures in certain cities and regions to be built and financed by believers so that great glory and honor would come to my name. This will be a season of divine harvest and accelerated harvest. This will be a season of divine harvest and accelerated harvest. This will be a season of divine harvest and accelerated harvest. This will be a season of divine harvest and accelerated harvest. 
This will be a season of divine turning, divine unity, and divine disruption. And divine chaos. For in the midst of chaos, divine justice will come. 2020 will be the year of divine turnaround. Did I not say I would cause all things to work for my people certain good? This will be a season in the earth in which I will turn all things for my people certain good. Mistakes, failed businesses, failed ministries, failed relationships, missteps, mishaps, miscommunication, misunderstanding, bitterness, judgments. This is the year of turnaround, says the Lord. I want to break that disappointment that some people have in their hearts. I said, I've wasted this time. I've wasted that time. I break that despair off of you tonight in Jesus' name. I declare that God will give you the grace to redeem the time and redeem the dreams that he's given you. Great, great grace is being released to my people to be delivered from mistakes, wrong turns, wrong attitudes, wrong motives, wrong heart positioning. That which defined their past can no longer define your future. If you'll be intentional in turning to me and lean into me for wisdom, I will truly call all things to work for your certain good. This is the year of divine turnaround. This will be a defining year for the body of Christ. 